Welcome to We're Listening, the podcast, a community where all voices are heard. I'm your host, Rob Cook. Join me for a lighthearted show about the human experience with live conversations, discussions, and interviews of some of the newest to the most established 3P practitioners from all over the world. So no matter if you've known the three principles for years or you're new to Daily Insights, we hope each episode will inspire you to demonstrate a community where all voices are heard. Welcome to today's episode. From an early age, Steve has been fascinated with how people think and behave. This blended with his passion for helping others has guided his work within the human potential development field since 1991. He was a soul coach, a 3P mentor, a Reiki master, and a psychotherapist, just to name some of Steve's titles and qualifications in which he holds. Since discovering the principles in 2001, Steve has realized a deeper truth about the human experience. He has always had an ability to touch people deeply in a spiritual sense and now have an insight into how wisdom works. He has seen profound results in his practice. His passion is to help you understand the incredible person that you are. And no matter your life circumstance or the things you've been through, you always have access to innate mental health within. He is an international speaker, trainer, coach, mentor and facilitator of group programs and retreats in the UK and internationally. His private practice is based in Norfolk Broads, UK, where he sees most of his clients. Steve is the creator and host of the LBGTQIA plus webinar podcast, being joined by inspirational people in conversations surrounding mental health and spiritual well-being. Steve thoroughly enjoys the love of hanging out with his family and friends long countryside beach walks with his partner Tony and their dog Shona, as well as meeting and celebrating people from all around the world. Ladies and gentlemen, um, you've heard that bio, an amazing, amazing human being that I'm here with today. Friend, colleague, a special person um, who we get the opportunity to learn from, to hear from, and to share. He's not a fresh face and a new voice. He's been around the community for quite some time with a powerful voice. Ladies and gentlemen, Steve Adair. Hello, sir. Hello, and thank you so much for having me on your podcast. I'm delighted oh, to be here. No, I'm super excited about it. And I have I have to kind of because this is the beginning for the listeners, but we've been talking a minute, so I'm on I'm on 10. And so I'm trying to lower my voice and kind of <laughs> move us into because I've just thoroughly enjoyed the pre-conversation before. But I guess I'll start with uh, just something that was really interesting for me to know is your background. You know, the many, the many fields you've worked in and the, the many traditional techniques you can see and then this abrupt shift when you came in contact with the principles. And we'll start there and let the conversation go from there. But that's, that's, definitely, that's definitely what's, what's kind of grabbed me most is, whoa, you've taught some of everything, but this seemed to have stopped any more going out of needing to know something. Yeah. Okay, so my, my, my background, I guess, from a... Um... So I was brought up with a faith and a religion, which I, I loved. I loved the, the ritual. I loved the discipline. And, but I guess what I loved is that sense of something higher than uh, what I was being told 
I didn't have words for it, but I always rested in a beautiful feeling. Um, so that would keep you going. Plus you had to, because when you went to school, you'd be asked what the Bible would be if, on the Sunday. So you had to, on the Monday morning, you were asked. But anyway, around about the age of 14, I started really having this sense of uh, whatever was being said at, at Mass, that there was a, a deeper feeling than that. So that kind of, from that age, I started, if you like, being a searcher for what is it I'm really feeling? And I, I put it in, so uh, I started looking at meditation. I became a meditator. Um, I became a teacher of meditation. Uh, I then went on to study counseling uh, because there was lots of different personal issues coming up from the people in the groups. And I was like, literal on me, how do I deal with this? So I thought if I do something traditionally, then it will help me be a better of service for them. Um, and that led on to me then uh, studying psychotherapy. Uh, and then friends of mine were talking about NLP. So I studied NLP, I studied hypnotherapy, everything to uh, help me understand the human conditioning was which I was really interested in. But at the same time, uh, I noticed that this kind of feeling that I had from child wasn't quite present in the same way uh, as when I was doing what I was calling my head therapies. Even though I was, thank goodness, uh, seeing great results in the clients that I was working with, I always felt there was something deeper for me. But yet I continued to do what I was doing and I loved what I was doing and I loved the people that I was working with. So I was very blessed in that way. Um, and then I got to a point in my life where uh, I wanted to do something more and I didn't know what that something more was. And then that, that something more was, was when the understanding of the three principles was to come on my path for my partner, Tony. But at that point, hearing it was something spiritual, nah, not interested. I've done enough searching. I've done enough exploration. So I very much was in the thinking of it. Um, and uh, I went along to uh, a couple of talks on the principles and all I was kind of hearing was yada 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 the same old thing they're just regurgitating what's been said before so of course I brought more thinking into the equation because that's how I was taught you think when you have a client in front of you you're the one that has to sort it out but I began to notice that I wasn't feeling comfortable with my thinking and that was normally a sign for me that my thinking was off guard it was in the wrong direction so I didn't like it even more. So when Tony would talk about the <laughs> principles, I was like, oh, and there he goes again. There he goes again. <laughs> and then I said, you know, I don't like this because I take myself as being an, an open-minded guy. And, but here's yeah. me saying, oh, there he goes again. So he made a pact not to talk about the principles. Um, and then there was something going on with his work. Uh, he was a manager, one of the staff. And long story short, he would come home and talk about things that was going on with this member of staff, how he loved her. But if he didn't start, if she didn't start pulling her weight, then he'd have to go to his bigger manager and he didn't want that and so on. And all of a sudden he stopped talking about that. And I was asked, so how's things now? Oh, she's still doing what she's doing, but it's okay. And I was like, what do you mean it's okay? Uh, what, what was the change? Yeah. <laughs> That's what got me curious. 
because the same thing was still going on, but he was just finding a different way of working with it now. And when I say to him, so what are you doing then? Thinking he was going to see a technique. And he says, I'm just seeing what part I'm playing in it. And that's all he says. I'm just seeing what part I'm playing in it and what reactions I'm having. And that was enough to kind of a little bit of a light for me to think, hmm, okay. I can't deny this. I'm seeing something. There is yeah, a, a fundamental yeah, that's change a truth. in him. Yeah, yeah, that's a, what so that's what got universal truth that's being put in front of me right now. Like, Absolutely. Yeah. And then that stayed that way until um, he'd asked me, did I want to go to Canada? And I've always, he knows that I've always wanted to go to Canada. So I thought it was going to be a holiday. But then he said, oh, you know, this guy, Sydney Banks. So I was interested in Sid because he's Scottish and so am I. That was the only reason I was interested. <laughs> that's I a good reason. That started off. That's else. pretty good. <laughs> so uh, anyway, we, we went, we signed up for the school. Um, I had, we stayed in Vancouver the night before. We went over to Salt Spring, which was two nights before the actual meet and greet. And I got food poisoning. So I spent, when we went to Salt Spring Island, I spent that day and the next at night and the next day in bed that I was so glad I'd have gone anywhere. Yeah. So we went to the meeting great. And when we went there, uh, you know, when you've laughed so much, it hurts yes. your, your teeth. And I had was in a group of people that when I got into bed that night and I thought, I've forgotten how to laugh like that. I really have been taking life way too seriously. So I, I had a beautiful night's sleep. I felt a lot better. But the next day, my itinerary was to go whale watching or to the First Nations part of the island. I wasn't going to the school. But I found myself getting up, getting ready. And uh, Chip and Elsie started saying what Chip and Elsie was saying. And that feeling that I knew from a child was there. And that got my attention again. Because I knew that was something that I had felt before. And yet he was strangers that I wasn't interested in knowing about. Was speaking not a language, but a feeling that kind of was familiar to me. At some point, and, and I don't know what was said because I wasn't properly listening. Because I still had my itinerary running in my head. But at some point, somebody said something. One of them said something. And I had slightly tipped back on, on my, my chair a little bit. And I came forward. And as I came forward, it felt like I'd been lifted off the chair. And as I looked around, when I say I couldn't see anybody, of course I could see them. But I saw the lightness of the people. I could say it was white to make it look fancy, but I don't know what color it was. But this lightness within me, I felt like I was, I was on the ceiling. I felt like I was outside. I felt like I was everywhere, but yet I was in the room. So then I hear uh, Elsie, I think, is saying, well, I think we should take a little break. So I go to walk up to Chip to say, um, what just happened? Something just happened to me. Yeah. And then um, 
someone cut in and went to chip. So Elsie was standing and she was on this little stage bit. And I'd say to her, Elsie, and I thought I was going to say, I just had this experience and blah, 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 blah. And I says, Elsie, something's just happened to me. And I think I've come home. And all she, and I love her too dearly for this because she just looked me straight in the eye and just says, well, that's lovely, my dear. That's all. And I says, thank you, and turned back. And as I turned back, there might have just been, I don't know how many people in the room, but I didn't see anyone, but I felt the most indescribable feeling of love. So I go back to my seat and I sit down and Tony says, what did you say to Elsie? And I was like, back up and Steve's thinking a little bit. I don't know. I don't know what I say to Elsie, but I knew, Rob, in those moments that even though I didn't know what the principles were, that I'd be sharing them for the rest of my life. Mm. Because I knew that feeling showed me that it's not new for anyone. We're this energy of love that I felt there. And that's how, I guess what I can see now that what I did is for, I don't know how long I dropped out of identity. I felt that oneness that you would hear Sid speak about. I would feel the truth of who we are in that moment. And I couldn't, for the first time in my life, I couldn't bring psychology to it to argue with it. And I knew that in whatever way it showed up for me, I would share the best that I could. And I went back for the rest of the days. And then the following year, Tony and I uh, actually went back to be in fellowship with Chip and Elsie on Salisbury Island. And, and really what I loved about it was all my studying that I'd done before was to make you better at whatever, whether this was saying something so different, that everything that you're looking for, everything that you are is already inside of you. I love that, Steve. I want to take a quick pause right there. We're going to hear from our sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by the Three Principal Global Community Practitioner Program. Want to become part of something larger? An effort to help spread Sydney Banks' message to humanity. Join the 3PGC Registered Practitioner Program. What's the benefit? Oh, man. You get to list your name on the 3PGC Registered Practitioner Directory. You also get access to regular video resources to help deepen your grounding and understanding in the Three Principles live coaching sessions with experienced practitioners, and monthly practitioner Q&A and so many other benefits for this program. But let's say you're new and haven't met the requirements to be a registered practitioner just yet. Then join the Apprentice Practitioner Program. You get access to those same video resources for the 3PGC board. You also have monthly Apprentice Practitioner mentoring calls, grounding groups, and so much more for the Apprenticeship Program. This is something you don't want to miss. Again, the 3PGC Registered Practitioner and Apprentice Practitioner course. Go out and get information about it at 3PGC.org. This episode is also sponsored by Perfect As You Are, a spiritual seminar led by Steve Adar and other members of the LBGTQ Plus community. Join him on April 2nd and 3rd for the Perfect As You Are conference. 
It's an opportunity to see truth in who you are more deeply. This unique experience will be led by LGBTQIA plus speakers sharing their personal stories of transformation and hope. All of the speakers are amazing and so proud to share this wisdom they've gained as a result of the three principles. For more information, go out to www.simpleshift.com slash perfect as you are. And let's get back to Steve's episode. So, you know, when, when you hear pieces of a puzzle and then there's a connector and it all comes together, it makes perfect sense about what I've heard in your ability and the work you do in the LBGTIA plus community and with the workshops and things like that. Why? It's because of that love. Yeah. It's, it's because of that love. It's because, and, and, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but it sounds like when you heard the principles, you heard them where I heard them in a sense in my heart. Yeah. Like I know the principles in my heart how to talk about them <laughs> that's totally different those are two different things you know those are two different things but i know it in my heart i know when i look at another human being if i can get out of my thinking my intellect and settle into my heart we're going to connect and that's regardless of anything they've done yeah any bias or judgment they may have that conflicts with one i may have if i get out of that mode of thinking and settle in it's a no-brainer and off air and I, I do want you to tell the story but can you tell the story just because because i i say a lot that i'm trying to unlearn everything yeah. i learned as a kid because if i take 25 different kids from different nations different shades different preferences or whatever the case may be and put them in a playpen they're going to do one thing play yeah. <laughs> But then as they go from five, six, seven, eight, nine, up into 18, we teach them how not to play. We teach them why playing with Steve is a problem. We teach them why playing with Tony is a problem. We teach them why playing with Rob, why playing with Janet may not be the best. Yeah. And then I put all of those same 25 back in the playpen at the age of 21 and nobody plays anything. And it's like, we had it right as kids. It was pure. And you shared a story that was very pivotal for that, for you um, yeah. with Uncle Jack, Uncle Jack Pransky. If you could yeah. just tell that story for the, for the listeners to hear. So I, I was saying that uh, I, I did go along to a couple of talks, um, but I, I was still bringing psychology to everything that was actually being, being said. And, and I agreed to go to Jack being a psychologist. And I thought, well, yeah, this will be really interesting. I'll get what he's saying. But the thing is, as beautiful as the talk was, I, I talked over in my thinking everything that Jack was saying. Um, two and two was five to me the whole way along. But the thing that I, I, I it, it stopped me in my track is that he was doing the talk with um, a colleague and she talked about being uh, working in a kindergarten. And there was a little boy who had different um, mental health diagnosis. Um, and uh, she gave the intro before they played the, the little video clip that we would hear a noise in the background. Um, and it would be this little boy that she called Jack um, making a sound. And they gave up um, not asking him to come and sit down. But they just found that when they allowed him naturally to come and sit down, then he would be more 
a part of, of the group. So uh, the kids are in a circle um, and the teachers are, are there too. And the door opens and this little boy comes in and you hear his mom saying, well, okay, this is where you're going to play for the next hour. And the little boy starts crying. Um, and little Jack, uh, all of a sudden the, the, the sound stops, the banging that you hear in the background stops. And this little boy goes over and he says, hi, my name's Jack. What's your name? So the little boy says his name and, and he says to him, um, you know, you don't have to worry right now. You're just taking your thinking too seriously. And the little boy says, huh? And he, and he picked up this plastic bottle um, and uh, he shook it. And inside the plastic bottle was water and rice. And he says, look, this is all what you're doing. You're just thinking too much about your mum leaving. But look, watch what happens. The rice settles. Your thinking will settle. You'll be okay. And he put his hand out. And the little boy took his hand in the tube and went and they sat down in the circle. And you didn't hear anything from them. And what really got me in that moment is the diagnosis that that little boy had was not present. The force of love was present. The grace of love was present for both children in that moment. And I couldn't bring any thinking to it because it's something that I witnessed. There was a sacredness in the moment that words couldn't describe. And I couldn't reach it in my thinking. And that was something that I didn't equate with the principles at that time. I just thought that's a wonderful thing that they did. I'm going to get a bottle and I'm going to speak to my clients about that. <laughs> yeah. To me, it was something that else that I could use and bolt on to what I did already. Yeah. And then the more I started really having a sense of what these principles uh, not were pointing to, but where they were coming from. Then I saw that, no, that it wasn't that that's not what they, they were just letting them know. It's the settling down that we saw. I, I don't know if you'd have said to little Jack, what are the principles that he could have told you? But it didn't matter in that moment. He didn't mention these are the three principles. He just knew that his thinking would settle. And that little boy, something inside him trusted. And he took his hand and off they went. He went. Now, take two adults. <laughs> I got to judge. Where are you from? Where, which political affiliation? What's your sexual orientation? What, like, we have so many rules before we're willing to just trust yeah. what someone else is, even if our heart feels right about it. Even if our heart feels right about it. Having worked through so many different fields mm -hmm. before, and now, you know, it doesn't seem as the way to do it for you now, how do you look at people who still do traditional ways or what would you offer as support to people who do traditional ways with clients and things like that? Like, how did you get to deepening your understanding so you didn't need the techniques? Well, you know, I think we really are our own best teacher. Mm, I like that. I really think we are. And one of the things is that that moment that I explained on Salt Spring, I knew then that I couldn't work traditionally. And what I mean by that is I knew that I couldn't take people to the past. I, I knew that that was just, um, just memories rather than that, um, that didn't always need to be understood. What we needed to understand was the gift that we have in the moment. 
And that's not saying that I would never, if a client came and I instinctively felt that we needed to unpack something or explore something a little bit, but I wouldn't give them an exercise or I wouldn't give them a take home. What I, I, I really trust more than what I trust me is the, the, the gift of mind mm, and the gift I of like consciousness like and that. the thought that it brings to me in the moment. And if I'm, if I'm shifted to uh, work in a certain way, then I will do that in the moment. Not because Steve thinks it's a good idea, but because I think the moment is presenting itself in that way. And what I've noticed, Rob, is that the more that I'm present to the moment, and I realize that Steve doesn't create the moment, that the moment creates Steve, and that's true for everyone, then I know at some point in our space of togetherness, they will feel their wisdom step forward. And it's their wisdom and the truth of their wisdom, it creates sustainable change not steve and his dialogue of techniques exactly because i i have some things i like doing i like if i if i meet an artist of course i pull out my beat making machine and settle them down because (laughs) that's what they do yeah like you know it's it's super easy way to connect and just get them out of the real absolutely but the one of the big differences and i've had this conversation with a lot of people who say things like oh you know, the spiritual communities and mixing and this and that. And I'm like, well, there's only two things I consider that you can actually mix. One is an inside out understanding. The other is an outside in. If you mix those two, yeah, you'll be very confused. If one day you think it's you're creating your experience and then the next day you think the outside creates your experience. That that sounds like torment in a sense. Yeah. But But just something happening from mine that I don't understand that doesn't mean mixing. That just means I don't understand because <laughs> I don't know everything either. Like, I don't know everything either. And we also know that Sid says, I'm saying things that have been said from the beginning of time. Mm-hmm. He just had one hell of a way of articulating it yeah. that made it palatable for us to understand, to teach and help in suffering. But man, I bet he was a loving spirit first and foremost. Yeah, he may got it. I hear stories of him getting upset and stuff, but it seemed like he operated from that oneness a lot more than anybody else we knew in a sense. Right. And I, I just, and I, think, I just love that. Yeah, me too. And, and I think that's what, so when I started listening to Sid, yes, of course, I, I heard words that he was speaking, but it were, it's where he was speaking from. Yes, yes. Yes, that's the thing. It really got me. It was, and I'm not saying that all of the other people that I listened to all years going past wasn't, but it always still looked like there was a to do, or if you do this, then you will get effort. Where mm-hmm. I was not hearing that in any of the dialogue that was coming from uh, what Sid had to share, um, and I still don't hear that. And so for me, that was night and day different. That was my bandwidth of experience just allowed me to become much more present and knowing that um, that is true for everyone. And what these principles are pointing to, if we're all having the experience the same way, then that means that when someone sits in front of me, where it's a client or a friend or whatever, then we're in fertile ground to be a force of love in the moment, the gift of love in the moment, whatever we want to call it. And that's what I love seeing that I don't know. And like, 
I very much saw the same as you was that everything that I had learned, I had the Mary Poppins bag of, yeah, you want, I can do this, I can do that. Yeah. <laughs> and then what I realized was like, actually, you can leave that outside. Outside, yeah. You can leave it outside. You don't leave it at home because home creates you, Steve. Home creates everyone. We are always coming from that place of home. You beautifully spoke about children and what children do. Yeah. Because they're more in that essence, that sense of it. So these were things like I was realizing that, you know, I could use lots of words to describe it. But what if I just sit with someone and just let the moment become present? What would that be like? And sometimes it needed more dialogue. Like there was a young guy that I went to see who wouldn't come out of his bedroom. He's 20 years of age. And I had to, at the beginning, speak quite traditionally as a psychotherapist because that's what he was expecting. And he sat in his room and I sat on the top landing, on the top step, the dog in between us, because the dog was protecting. And my first three sessions were actually sat, me on the steps leading up to his, his bedroom. And then in the fourth session, when I went to see him, he opened the door. And I was like, oh, I was shocked yeah. because it was like, I just didn't know, but I knew that something was happening. And, I would and even I say knew, though, Steve, that's untraditional. The fact that you would go sit on the steps. Yeah. That's untraditional. That in yeah. itself said yeah. a lot. Because when people tried to help me, I would set up an optical for course for them to climb through to ensure their heart was in the right place to help me. <laughs> you, you know, you know, I would make it difficult because I was so scared of what I was going through. But but if I am going to trust you, if I'm going to take your hand and sit down in this group, let me test you with these. I want a dog here. I don't want to do this. I don't want to see how caring you actually are, you know? And, and I think no matter what, if we could do that, if we could get people to just clearly know we see them and we hear them, oh. that in itself would change. Absolutely. That would at least change the conversation. Absolutely. And at least open the conversation up differently. So I, I, I absolutely love the way you, you put that together. So two things I, I want to, um, to kind of make make known for the listeners. Um, and they're both things I'm excited about. One is an upcoming conference you have. And two is going to be your words to the community. All right. Yeah. So we'll start with just um, telling me about the conference dates, how people get involved. You know, why did you feel the need for the conference to, to happen? And, and then after that, you know, we'll get into your, as we would say, your, your last message to the community or your <laughs> state of the union address type thing. Yeah. <laughs> the big moment. Yeah. The big <laughs> Yeah. And, uh, and, but, you know, again, it's people have used it to promote their products and it's, it's all on you, but I really would love to just hear your heart as you share it. Sure. Um, it'll be the, it'll be the last thing they hear. Um, yeah. And then the episode will end after that. But again, starting with the conference and why you felt the need there, and then transition into your da -da -da -da, as I call it. <laughs> and we, so so the, the conference is uh, we're we're calling it oh it's a, a two day seminar, perfect as you are, um, and it's a spiritual seminar led by members of the LGBT community, um, LGBTQ plus. But all are welcome. The first day is just for those communities. And the reason why we've done that is there's an, an, an expression that um, I, I, I did a, a series of focus groups to really make sure that what I was hearing uh, wasn't just my story. I knew it wasn't, but I just really wanted to do it. 
And the reason how it came around, well, actually, let me just rewind back a little bit. And then, because I really want to honour the, the seminar, it's on the 2nd and the 3rd of April. Um, and it's it's online. Um, and it's what it says, everyone's welcome. But I'll just rewind back to, um, I mean, I was bullied in school for being gay when I didn't know I was gay. And then, so that was even more, no, I'm not. So then I would deny myself even more. But I knew in my heart, gay uh, was not something that I felt as in the description of what I would hear people say. And I won't say the words that I was bullied by and so on, live on air. So for me, it was like, um, so I disguised myself. I hid myself. I disconnected a little bit from that light. And that was how life would be. You would just live with your wounds and you carry your, your wounds, which became your beliefs, which became your concepts. And that's just how life is. And then um, it's almost like you're living in the world where you speak a different language from everybody. And then it's like you go somewhere. It's like, you know, when you maybe go somewhere overseas, which is English is not its native tongue. And then you hear an English person. And even though you could be looking this way, your ears are kind of turning in a direction and listening. Oh, Oh, yeah. Someone's speaking English. (laughs) that's kind of what it was like when I would kind of see someone who was gay, but be scared to even go to it. Who's that alien? It's just landed here. And I would watch them. It'd be like, Oh my goodness, they're so carefree, but that would never be me. And then there came a time that um, the work that I was doing at the moment, that moment, there was a gay man and a gay woman there and they clocked something in me. And basically took me under the wing. And I'd spent three months in, in America, in Washington, D.C. And the friends that I got to meet there were so loving of me that I recognized that that wasn't something that I gave to myself. So I knew when I came back, I already told my mom when I was um, 23 um, but I'd met someone and it didn't work out. And I thought, that's it. The world's coming to an end. The world's not a safe place. Um, but I told her it was a phase because I didn't want to, I still didn't want to hurt her. So I kind of just told her half of the, the truth. But I knew from what I found in America that I went back that I had to, to say. And when I say these words, it really allowed me to see the truth. But at that moment, my mum it says to me, Stephen, I don't understand it, but I love you. And by that point, my dad had died suddenly. And she says, look what's happened to your dad. And I want you to be happy the rest of your life. And that love was something, it was a gift because I knew it was unconditional, even though she says she didn't understand it. And I didn't really understand it at that time myself because I still had conditions. But what I really saw was that I says to my mom, I don't, I don't mean this horribly at all, mom. But what I'm recognizing is I don't need your approval. I need mine. And that, again, was like that weight off my shoulder was like, mm. oh, my God, you've just said that to your mom. Wow. But at the same oh, time, yeah. it's like, <laughs> oh, you've just said that for yourself. Yeah. And so for me, that was something. And then jump forward until... So then obviously I find myself, and then I've been with my partner, Tony, now. It'll be 19 years this year. Um, and in, Celebrate but, that for a second. Hold on. Don't, don't glaze <laughs> over that. 
any relationship that makes it 19 years got to be the same relationship problems, the same issues of having to show up loving, having to. And I think that was probably one of the biggest things that helped me in my my blind spot of this community um, was hearing a, a gay person's experience and feeling the same way as my own experience from things I had. The, the thing that really led me to um, to do it was in 2016, uh, there was uh, a group of young gay men killed in Orlando. Yes. Um, I don't, my and, daughter and goes to school in Orlando. That, here in Europe, there was, um, in Norway, there was a, a young man went and killed, uh, shot a lot of young children at a camp. And then I think there was somewhere in Germany it happened. And it was like um, a matter of some like three weeks between them all. And it was like, good God, what, what, what's happening here? Yeah. I wonder what this is about. And then it, I, I swear it felt like someone leaned over the sofa and says to me, what else does love have to do? And I jumped and I broke around and I looked to see who was standing there. And of course, there was no one there. So I knew that was my time to get quiet even more. So, but I knew it wasn't time for me to meditate, to get something. I knew that something had already been presented to me from inside. And what I saw uh, was like, so I saw this almost like a snapshot, but out of the snapshot came kind of words that helped me understand what the snapshot was. And it basically went along the lines of, if I believe that fundamentally we are all born from love, then we had got so good in our uh, environments globally of something going on that we're not happy with thinking, oh, this is terrible. We need to change this. And then just settling back down again. And then something else goes on and then we just settle all back down again. And it was almost like that was my wake up call. What else does love want me to do is wake up and stay awake. And so I started looking at different ways that I could work and I was doing that. And then last year, I got a message from uh, Angus and Rohini Ross asking me, would um, I be, uh, would I do a, a podcast with them on their, re their rewilding love? And for anyone who knows Angus and uh, Rohini, I'm, I'm speaking with them today. <laughs> Yeah, I actually them have them that. after us. I'm speaking ah, okay. with them. <laughs> so they'll get to hear. Um, and I had things to Rohini. And she, so she says, well, you know, it's about love. And uh, if you're in a relationship, so when I said, yes, I'm in the relationship with Tony, then it was coming up 18 years. And she said, please speak about being in a same-sex relationship. And that excited me because in the principles field, I've wanted that. But my fear came back at the same time. So then I had to sit, what would love want me to do? And I knew I had to answer the call. Now, I, I felt so heard, so loved. Acceptance wasn't the right word because that's, I've just felt so loved that I could feel my conditioning of what I was allowed to say. Steve, where are you coming from when you're saying this? And I knew that the only place for me that I could truly come from was the part that woke me, the light that woke me on Salisbury. 
and it comes from inside of you. So that's the heart of perfect as you are. And as what I said, it's all speakers from these communities. And I've had them, I've been very blessed to, to be able to meet with them on a one-to-one and to explore. Um, and yesterday, uh, last night, I got together with Rohini and Julianne and we've brought up the format of the run over and it's like, oh, please, can we have it today? Can we have it today? Because <laughs> we're so excited to actually do yeah. it. And the honoring of these two women, again, is just really showed that power of allies. So yeah. this this is not that uh, we kind of want to say like duh, 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 we want to change the no, world. No, it's no, like, it is, no it let's is, just uh, flip uh, this around and put us in the, the the driver's seat of our experience. Yeah, we're and holding hands. Perfect, we're we're walking. We're we're uh, getting on the same line. And I'm holding your hand. You're holding his hand. She's holding her, and we're walking together. That's yeah, what we're doing. Absolutely. That's all. We're we're just saying, you know, hey, given our human condition and what the world has showed us. Some of us hasn't been able to join hands and walk as freely as others. And here's an opportunity. What I love what you said, what more would love want from me to hold their hand and walk them. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, If you're okay, Steve, with this, I actually don't want to take people minds to something else. I would really like if you could restate the dates of the conference, because I think, I think you're the dun da dun was really explaining why there was a need for this conference. Yeah. And that's re- that's really what I want people to sit with yeah. after this episode's end is that we had to create this conference for that. Yeah. Yeah. That, that was so, a blind spot in which we had to take an intentional action to yeah. to touch and help end some suffering from a group of human beings. Yeah. And that's, that's one of the things that I, someone had written and asked me who, who is running a conference, like, how can we make it LGBT friendly? And I love that. It's like, great. Because when we just sit and actually talk about it, it's like, just, just make it friendly. Yeah. Just make it that it's acceptance for anyone, regardless of who you are. And it's not saying that uh, we're, we're separate or we need to do anything. It's just like, when we actually go there, just be aware that when you're putting on same-sex relationship, I can't see myself there fully. But what I really love about what we're doing is we're honoring one another. We really want to have proper conversations. But then the flip side is what I said, is bringing on the the next day is everyone along. So that when we say, where do we go from here? Is everyone, where do we go from here? It's It's not just saying, oh, are you, where... No, everyone's actually coming along. The, the people who are coming to listen to us on day one, I, I don't know whether if they're going to be LGBTQ, A plus I, and that's not important. Yeah. But it's the actual coming along and realizing that this is time for a real conversation. This is a time to step into the now and live this now without the fear of the past or the future. Thank you for listening to today's episode. For more information about the podcast, please go to 3pgc.org. If you're looking for more information about how to become a practitioner or you want to be featured on the show as a new, fresh voice in the principles, send us an email at info at 3pgc.org. We'd love to hear from you. Knowing there is no end or limitation, nor are there boundaries to the human mind, 
have the day you deserve.